Man, I just want to welcome you today, whether you're worshiping with us online or you're in the house. We are glad that you have joined with us. If you're new to Life Center and I haven't had the chance to meet you, my name's Tyler and I serve as the senior pastor here. And uh, I'm so excited that you've chosen today to be here because we begin a brand new series over the next number of weeks that we're going to lean into entitled No Offense. Come on, can you say No Offense? Now, here's what I know. The world in which you live, the world in which I live, have you noticed that it is easily offended? Some of you right there, you just got offended that I called the world in which you live in offended. Uh, We live in a highly offended culture. It can happen in a moment. And the reality is it hits each and every one of us day in and day out. And what that means is it impacts how we live out this journey with Jesus. And so over the next number of weeks, I want to encourage you, do everything you can to be with us, join with us, because I believe that over the next number of weeks, God is going to set some people free who have been kind of trapped by offense, whether you've been offended for a few days, a few weeks, a few years. A few decades, some people need to find freedom that only Jesus can bring. In a moment, we're going to look to Luke chapter 17. I've entitled today's message, Unoffendable Living 101. So friends, we are going to school today on what it looks like to live unoffendable. Now some of you may think right off the bat, Tyler, that is impossible Maybe it is in our own strength, but the good news is God has more than enough strength for us to live the lives that he's called us to live. Now, as we begin, I want to ask the question, have you ever been trapped in life? And the problem was you were the one who created the trap that you found yourself in. You ever been there? Uh, One of the things that I so appreciate about my daughter one of her spiritual gifts is to make cookies. And she's like really, really good at making cookies. Every now and then I'll pull into the garage after a long day of work and I'll get out of the car. And even from the garage, there's this heavenly fragrance that that meets me in the garage. And it it grows stronger as I walk into the house. And, And in that moment, I realized, you know what? This time I'm going to be self-disciplined. This time is going to be different. This time I'm going to show some self-control and I I journey into the house and I, I make my way upstairs to our kitchen and the fragrance keeps growing stronger and stronger and stronger. And on the counter, it's like my daughter knew that she needed to set out a plate of cookies. And I look at the cookies, I smell the cookies, still warm, still recently out of the oven, and I'm convinced, you know what, this time, I'm not going to fall for it. I'm going to eat a salad. I'm going to eat two salads. I'm going to avoid, but then there's this thought that clicks it. Well, you know what, Tyler, you've had a long day at work. You, You probably deserve this cookie. You know what, Tyler, you, you worked out at 6 a.m. this morning. Tyler, you're going to be back at the gym tomorrow. You, you need to carbo load for tomorrow. So, 
And, and that begins the process. And, and the challenge for me, I, I know nobody here in the room or online can identify with this, but the challenge for me is the moment that I, I see one and I decide I'm going to take one, how many know it doesn't stop with one? Because one cookie becomes two cookies, two cookies becomes three cookies, three cookies becomes a baker's dozen. <laughs> and even though I know probably the, the outcome of that decision isn't the best thing for me, the problem is in the moment, I really feel like, like I deserve it. And here's the reality. Most times when I think I deserve to to pick up the plate of cookies, to take the plate of cookies, I don't always stop to consider what's actually attached. (laughs) Attached to the plate of cookies. See, the reality is I, I think I deserve the cookies. And often I blame the cookies like the cookies are the problem, but, but the cookies did nothing except sit there and look good. The cookies did nothing except sit there and beg to be picked up. I'm the one who picked the cookies up. I'm the one who, whose appetite drove me to that decision. And, and friends, this is the perfect picture of what it looks like when we pick up the offense. We don't always think what's attached to the plate. We don't always realize that even though we feel like we're justified in in picking it up and and taking it and holding on to it, we realize very quickly that we set our own trap. Speaking of traps, (laughs) I hope there's some team members who can maybe help me out. Because it's dark in here. And I don't have my notes. Thank you guys. All right. Appreciate that. Can we get up for the team? (laughs) Friends, that is a picture of what happens with offense and what being offended does. Understand, every time that we are tempted by a person or by a situation or a circumstance, hear this, the trap is set, the bait is there, and we take the bait and we hold on to it. See, it's been well said that there's two things you can be certain of in life. What is it? It's death and taxes. And I know that hits close to home considering last week was tax day, okay? But I think most of us understand that there's a third thing we can be certain of in life, and what is that? That you are going to have an opportunity to be offended. And most of us, we we understand that now. We we understand that dynamic, but here's what we sometimes lose sight of. There's something that we often forget. Not only will, will circumstances or people present an opportunity to offend us, but we need to be reminded that we will offend others too. In other words, offenses will come from us. And I gotta be honest, few things are more awkward and hard to swallow than having somebody come up to me. This has happened to me I don't know how many different times where somebody will come up to me and say, hey, Tyler, I just wanna let you know I forgive you. And I'm like, thank you? And what, what does that mean? 
Somewhere along the line, I said something, I did something that offended them, and I didn't even know it. And the problem is, they stayed in the box of offense while I'm living free, because I have no idea. They're the ones who's trapped. I'm not. And even though I maybe created the environment, we have to choose to pick up the offense. And that's important for us to remember. And this matters for those of us who are followers of Jesus. Why? Because following Jesus, we understand that the gospel, this good news of what Jesus has done for us, it's something we receive, but it's also something that we are called to reflect to the world around us. And so we are always putting the gospel on display. In other words, Jesus is being preached to the world around us every single day. And if you're trapped by a fence, my assumption is those who don't know Jesus don't want to get in the box of a fence with you. They need to see that freedom in Christ is actually real. See, our, our spiritual transformation should have some fruit that gets displayed in the way that we live, in the way that we interact with one another. So what do we need to know about living unoffended? I want us to look to some of the words of Jesus in Luke chapter 17. Jesus here pivots from his audience being the Pharisees to now he's, he's talking to his disciples. And in Luke chapter 17, verse 1, it says this. He said to his disciples, Offenses will certainly come. So if you've been offended in the last year, you should not be surprised. If you've been offended in the last month, you should not be surprised. If you've been offended in the last week, you should not be surprised. If you've been offended in the last hour, you should not be surprised. If you're offended by what I'm saying to you right now, you should not be surprised. Jesus said offenses will come. Why does this matter? Because Jesus warns the disciples that Christian community will inevitably be a flawed community. If you're looking for a perfect church, good luck. Why? Because a church is going to have people, and people have issues. Can I get an amen? amen. So if you're looking for an imperfect church, we are so glad you're here. You're welcome to be here with us because we are on the journey with Jesus. Jesus understands that his disciples, though they're going to be transformed by his grace, they're still going to have issues. And he helps them understand this dynamic by reminding them offenses will certainly come, but woe to the one through whom they come. Jesus here is now getting into correcting those who would be tempted to intentionally wound or sidetrack those other followers of Jesus, specifically those who are young in their faith. It would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea than for him to cause one of these little ones to stumble. In other words, if you are intentionally trying to tick off other people to hinder or thwart their faith, watch out. He goes on. Be on your guard. If your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. 
Now, here's what I know. Many of us, we do the first part of that verse really good. Many of us, we stop reading after the rebuke. If your brother sins, how dare you? How could you say that? Or maybe it looks a little bit more like this. How dare you say that about that political party? See, some of us, we are good at the rebuke. But did you notice that Jesus doesn't stop with the rebuke? If your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, what? Forgive. It doesn't sound like a suggestion. It sounds a little bit more like a commandment, doesn't it? Forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in a day and comes back to you seven times saying, I repent, then just blow them up on social media. No, Jesus actually gets more specific. You must forgive him. Seven times in one day doing the same thing? Jesus, are you kidding? That's got to be a suggestion. You can't be serious. Now, listen to the disciples' response to what Jesus just didn't suggest. He commanded them to do. The apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. I mean, that's a good response after a command like that. Lord, if you're going to ask me to do that, you're going to have to increase my faith. Because there's going to be times that I have to forgive somebody by Faith, being sure of what I hope for and certain of what I do not yet see. Lord, increase my faith. It's interesting this word that Jesus uses here in Luke 17 about offenses. The the original word for this is the bait stick that would be in a trap that would be set. In other words, the, the opportunity, the occasion to stumble is going to come. Your opportunity to be offended is going to happen. Tyler, you sound pretty sure about that. No, I am absolutely sure about it. There's going to be an opportunity to be offended. Whether it's your spouse, your coworker, the news anchor, somebody on Facebook, somebody who cuts you off, hypothetically, I mean, go down the list. There's going to be an opportunity. And we wrestle with this. Why? Because Jesus says that we should forgive. And I get the tension there because many of us, we we have this idea, well, God, if I actually forgive somebody who, who offended me, where's the justice in that? But I want to remind us, God is so much better at accomplishing justice than we are. Because he, unlike us, does not have a sinful, flawed nature. If I try to carry out every sense of justice that I feel entitled to, it's going to be off. Why? Because I'm not perfect. And we have to understand that when offenses come, the offense can't make you take the bait. That is a decision that we make. It's a choice. See, today, I think it's important that we hear it is absolutely normal to experience the emotion of anger and offense. It's 100% normal. It's normal for you to to get agitated. It's normal for you to, to feel that emotion of 
offense. In fact, Jesus prepared us for that. He said, offenses are going to come. But here's the point. Though it's normal and expected, what you do next with that emotion will determine the trajectory of the life and health that you experience. What we do with that emotion matters. And today, I don't want you to miss this simple truth. Living offended and living unoffended have one thing in common. Both are a choice. Well, that offended me. No, 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 understand. All that person said and did, it created the environment for you to either pick up the offense or to leave the offense. Nobody has the power to make you offended. You have to choose to pick that up. Just like the cookies do not have the power to make me eat them. Could you imagine me justifying that? Like Amber walks in, I got chocolate all over my face. She's like, what'd you do? I'm like, the cookie made me do it. What's wrong with you? No, your your self-control or the lack thereof. You see, this is how offense works in our lives. We have to be aware of it. Why? Because if I live offended, I am making a choice. And if I live unoffended, I am making a choice. All of us, we've lived enough life to understand we can't control circumstances. You, you can't control how your coworker is going to talk to you or, or what your spouse might say to you or the tone in which your children will use with you. You can't choose those circumstances, but you can control and choose your response. And this is where the wrestle begins. And, and let me pause here for a moment because I know the moment that we begin to talk about offense or, or hurt or anger, there's some of us that we have this filter that we say, but, but Tyler, what about very serious things? What about things that, that actually create wounds? So what do we do about very real situations like, like domestic violence or abuse? And, and hear me clearly today. Although we can walk in forgiveness, we are still called and we need to be people who draw boundaries that are healthy and safe. And so don't, don't misinterpret what, what we're dealing with here because if you're in a situation that, that is dangerous to you, you, you need to draw boundaries even as you look to God to give you grace to extend forgiveness and not be trapped in a place of offense. But today... When we choose unoffendable living, there's four things that we end up choosing along with that. When I choose unoffendable living, number one, it's a choice to avoid bitterness. Can you say bitterness? It's a choice to avoid bitterness. You see, when I'm offended, I've chosen to pick up and hold on to something against someone else. So let's say somebody says something to me that I feel like is unjust, not fair, not accurate. The reality is all of those words, all that they did was create an environment to me, for me to either pick it up or to overlook it. The reality is when I choose to live unoffendable, I'm making a choice to avoid bitterness in my life. See, here's the problem with, with picking up the offense I'm the one who becomes trapped. 
I convince myself it's about the other person. I convince myself, well, well, they're the problem, but the problem with the problem is I took the bait, and now I'm the one who feels the trap. I'm the one who feels stuck. And when I feel trapped, when I am trapped, I don't get better. I actually end up getting bitter. How many of you have ever been there? I don't get better. I actually get bitter. For those of us who have been offended, so I want you to think about a very real circumstance, a very real situation in the last year. So for those of us who have been offended about something, did it help you get better or did it help you get bitter? My assumption is bitter. Why? Because all of a sudden you find yourself in this trap going, well, if they would have acted and they would have said and they would have done, and we find ourselves in this growing place of bitterness. Tyler, I I don't know that I'm a bitter person. Well, here's three signs that maybe you've grown a little bitter. You ready for three signs? Number one is this, you assume the worst. If you want to know if you're in the trap, if you want to know you're growing bitter, when you look at that person, when you look at that circumstance, immediately your default setting is the worst scenario possible. So they walk by you and smile, and you're like, oh, they're just the worst. (laughs) You assume the worst. Which leads us to the second sign that you've grown bitter is this. You assign intent, motive, and guilt to everything. So they walk by you and they say, hey, nice outfit. You're like, how dare you talk to me with that sarcastic tone? What have we done? Because of the offense we picked up about the person, we're assuming the worst and we immediately assign guilt. I know what you intended with that. They posted a scripture on Facebook. You're like, how dare they? They're they're like sub-posting about me. And we assign motive, intent, and guilt to every interaction, every conversation, every statement. The third sign that you've grown bitter is this. You cannot or will not willingly and joyfully pray blessing over that individual. Tyler, I don't want to pray blessing. Do you know what they said to me? Tyler, I'm not going to pray blessing over them. They they are on the other side of the aisle politically. Ooh, careful, Tyler. Don't talk about politics in church. (laughs) Careful, careful. No, no, no. I have to. Why? Because some of us, we've been more discipled by our political party than we have by the way of Jesus. Now, I know I just offended some of you. (laughs) Trust me, we're gonna help lift up the box in a minute, but but, come on, don't, don't take the bait. Don't take the bait. Stick with me, stick with me. See, bitterness is dangerous. It's dangerous. In fact, Jesus said this when it comes to to praying for those that that we don't see eye to eye with. In Matthew chapter five, he said this, you've heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. 
But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. See, it, it seems like according to Jesus, it's, it's impossible to genuinely pray for someone and continue to hate them. So it means the more that I, I pray for that person who just drives me up a wall, it's actually loosening the grip of being offended by them. It's keeping me from that, that place of bitterness. It's keeping me from becoming trapped. You see, offense leads to a trap, and a trap builds bitterness in our lives. But when we choose to live unoffendable, it's the choice to avoid bitterness. When I choose to live unoffendable, number two, it's a choice to live in wisdom. Can you say wisdom? It's a choice to live in wisdom. In the Old Testament, there's a whole section of what we call wisdom literature. Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon. And we look at these wisdom books and it brings truth to our lives. And understand, throughout the course of scripture and wisdom literature, anger is always associated with foolishness. Always. Search it. You will never find in wisdom literature a statement that says, and to those who pick up anger, you are smart. It doesn't say it. In fact, Proverbs 19, verse 11 says this, a person's insight gives him patience and his virtue is to overlook the offense. Wisdom. In other words, I can make my journey towards the plate of cookies and I can be convinced that, that I should pick them up. But if I don't pay attention to what's actually attached to the plate, I'm going to find myself trapped. And many of us, we end up in the trap of offense. Why? Because we are not walking in the wisdom that God calls us to walk in. It's actually to, to our benefit to overlook, and but, but I deserve to be offended. They made me offended. Or I can overlook it. Yep. They're sinful and flawed, just like I am sinful and flawed. Oh, they also have bad days. Okay, I thought that was just me. Oh, sometimes they don't use the right filter when, when communicating online. Okay, okay, yeah. See, it's better to overlook an offense than to take hold of it. You can overlook it or you can take the bait. But according to scripture, the choice to overlook the offense is called wisdom the choice to pick up the offense is called foolishness. Here's the third thing that happens when we choose unoffendable living. It's a choice for a better future. How many of you, you want next year to be better than last year? Come on, let me see a show of hands. You want next year to be better than last year. How many of you, life would feel a little bit better if you were 40% less offended next year? 20% less offended next year. Hey, let's 5% less offended next year. Wouldn't, wouldn't life feel a little bit better? Uh, how many of us, we, we would sleep better. We would show up at work better. We would be better spouses, better parents. If, if we could figure out how do we become at least a little bit less 
offended. You see, when I choose unoffendable living, it's a choice for a better future. Friends, remember, you can't change the past, but you can choose how you will walk into the future. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 12 says this, hatred stirs up conflicts. I won't ask for a show of hands, but how many of you, you, you've had your fair share of conflict this last year? Hatred stirs up conflicts, but love covers all offenses. Out of love, I'm I'm gonna choose to overlook this. Out of love, I'm gonna choose a better future. I'm gonna choose a different path. You see, nobody actually hopes for more offense in the future. Guaranteed, none of us, when it was New Year's this year, we sat down, we wrote our list. Man, I hope that I'm a little bit more offended this year. Probably didn't make your top 10 list, right? It just happens, doesn't it? Well, it's been well said that doing the same thing over and over and over and expecting different results is the definition of what? Insanity. Insanity. And some of us, we wonder why we keep in this pattern, in this place, being trapped by the same box of offense. Why does this keep happening? It's like every time I turn around, every time I get on Facebook, somebody stupid says something stupid. (laughs) You keep doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. We need to be aware of this. Why? Because the future won't be better if you keep choosing the same response by picking up and hanging on to the offense. It won't change. We've got to make a choice to live unoffendable. Here's the fourth thing that choosing unoffendable living does for us. It's a choice to reflect life in Jesus. Friends, do not miss this. Because our lives are always preaching a gospel to the people around us. And my question is, what gospel are the people around us receiving? If people know we're followers of Jesus, but we're always trapped in this box of offense, what's so good about the good news? See, when I choose to live unoffended, I reveal some truth to the people around me. And what is that? Number one, the gospel is real. In other words, because of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus and the fact that I've been forgiven, I can walk in greater forgiveness to others. I'm so thankful that God in his grace has covered over my failures and my flaws. And imagine if we too could extend that same grace to others to to cover over their failures and flaws instead of picking them up and, and putting it on blast, simply extending grace, the same grace we've received. See, the more that I live unoffended, the more that I reveal the gospel is real. Not only that, the more I reveal that Jesus actually changes people. You can change people. Imagine next year if you were 10% less offended than you were last year. The people closest to you are going to begin to scratch their heads going, man, maybe there's something to this Jesus thing. Maybe it's real. Not only that, when we choose to live unoffendable, what do we communicate to the world around us? Miracles still happen. Because for many of us, 
to not pick up the offense. You want evidence that miracles still happen? That takes a miracle sometimes. Because you, ch- you don't have to train somebody how to be offended. It just happens. It just happens. Jesus thought this was important. In fact, in John 13, talking about and talking to his disciples, he said this. I give you a new command. Can you say command? Command, command, command. Sometimes we are guilty of treating the commandments of Jesus like they're suggestions. Jesus said, I give you a new command. Love one another. Now, some of us, if we stop there, we're like, okay, cool. I can do that. I can do that. I can do that. Because I'm good at creating my own definition of what love looks like. What about you? But Jesus, he doesn't let us off the hook. He says, love one another. Just as I have loved you, you are also to love one another. All of a sudden, that raises the bar. Because now it's not just, well, I, I was loving. I didn't give you what you deserve. No, no, no. Jesus says, love as I've loved you. What does that mean? Self-sacrificial. Put your own needs behind the needs of the other. In other words, give. Give. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. But Jesus, they aren't being loving. Jesus, they said some things to me. They made me offended. No, their words created the environment for us to pick up the offense. They didn't make you offended. The cookie did not make you eat the cookie. See, could it be that one of the greatest threats to being on mission with Jesus and being effective and seeing the gospel transform lives of the city of Tacoma throughout Pierce County, across America, around the world, could it be that one of the greatest threats is this, that there isn't much distinction between those who claim to follow Jesus and those who don't? In other words, if if we're content just by staying in the trap of offense and we're, we're trying to preach this good news, this gospel to, to an unbelieving world and we're like, come on, you need Jesus and you need to get offended just like we're offended. It's not people breaking down doors and say, yeah, I want some more of that in my life. Hear me. Offended Christians should be an oxymoron. Bitter Christians should be unheard of. Angry Christians should be being daily transformed as they listen to the Spirit, give them direction in life. See, for Jesus' followers, forgiveness should be a habit, not a battle. That's tough. Because it's easy to receive forgiveness, isn't it? Man, it's easy. Man, so, oh, thank you for forgiving. Thank you for forgiving. But extending it? After what they did? After what they said? After the tone that they used on Facebook? By the way, it's very hard to interpret tone in a text message or a social media post or whatever airbrushed version of life they're putting up on Instagram. It's hard to interpret tone. 
living offended and living unoffended have one thing in common. They're both a choice. So can I encourage you today, friends, don't rush into the box. Don't take the bait. Don't pick it up. Pay attention to what's attached to the plate before you take hold of it. Because you might just find yourself trapped, and I believe that God wants to let some people out of the trap. Consider Ecclesiastes 7.9 says this, don't let your spirit rush to be angry. For anger abides in the heart of fools. Tyler, I'm offended that you said, I didn't say it. I'm just reading the scripture, ladies and gentlemen. See, this, this hits us where we all live life. Because we're all dealing with offense day in, day out, day in, day out. And so let me give us a really practical action step before we go into a time of worship together. Here's your action step this week. Name something or something. By the way, not right now. But this week, name something or someone you're offended by right now. Don't say it out loud because I don't want to hear my name, okay? So wait just a moment. Name something or somebody that you are offended by and then ask yourself, are you ready to let it go? Are you ready? Are you ready? Name it and release it. Name it and release it. Come on, can I invite you to stand to your feet all across this room? Those who are worshiping with us online, would you stand right now? I'm gonna say a simple word of prayer. We're gonna respond just with a moment of worship and then Pastor Garrett's gonna come. Jesus, I pray that you would help us get out of the box of offense. Lord, some of us, we've been trapped in there a long time. And because of that, life hasn't gotten better. The reality is we've gotten more bitter. God, help us to embrace the path of wisdom. Help us to choose a better future. Jesus, help us to reflect what life looks like in relationship with you. I pray over the the coming weeks, but even today, God, begin to break the grip of offense from our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Come on, let's sing together today.